This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fit the Mission. The kids are not okay. At least many of them in San Francisco aren't. Last week, the city saw a number of terrifying violent incidents among young people. A stabbing at Francisco Middle School in North Beach, a gun confiscated at Denman Middle School in the Outer Mission, another stabbing by a 12-year-old on a muni bus traveling through Union Square, and a pair of brawls at Stonestown Galleria, one involving about 100 teenagers and young adults. The fighting was captured on video and went viral. The apparent wave of youth violence pushed San Francisco city and education leaders into action this week. On Tuesday, they announced their citywide action plan. Their answer? Expanding and continuing existing programs and services to prevent violence. Among them, ramping up a school violence interrupter program and boosting law enforcement and other adult intervention on buses and other hotspots. San Francisco already faces understaffing across city departments. How will they expand those existing strategies? And more importantly, do they even work? Today on Fit the Mission, I'm joined by Sarah Wan, the executive director of CYC, the Community Youth Center of San Francisco. It's an organization that has provided coordinated street outreach and crisis response services in the city for over 50 years in the Bayview, Chinatown, and other neighborhoods. Wan's been working on issues of youth violence for more than two decades, and she'll share what's unusual about the recent series of incidents and what she thinks of San Francisco's plan to tackle it. Sarah Wan, great to have you on Fit the Mission. Thank you for having me. Sarah, recent events have turned everyone's eyes towards youth violence in San Francisco, but you've been keeping an eye on these issues for a long time now. Is there a pattern that you've noticed in recent events that's maybe different compared to other youth violence you've witnessed in the past? We have done a lot of like school violence prevention and intervention work. I think in the past, we do have a school outreach team that actually will visit to different high school and middle school in San Francisco during lunchtime, after school hours, going to community hotspot or like bus stop to make sure everything's okay. If we see anything or we hear anything, we try to mediate a situation with the support from the school and also other city department if needed to really help to de-escalate the situations. And you can hear a lot of stuff on the ground before something happened. Um, I think during pandemic, it really changed um, the whole environment a lot. Many youth, they actually get isolated from home. They don't really have an outlet for any like uh, frustration, loneliness, or like any anger or any emotions, basically. Um, they've been really like holding on and they have definitely uh, not any opportunity to develop the social development skills or social skills. Um, I see many youth that they feel were awkward coming back to school, how to interact with other uh, students. We definitely see a drop in a lot 
lot of after school activities and enrollment, especially for like extracurricular activities. Partly is also because the change of the school time other than Wednesday have an early release or other day the high school doesn't get out until like 4.30. So I have noticed that enrollment for a lot of after school program has been dropped or decreased. Um, I think a lot of this really all come together um, to escalate to this situation. I think on the ground, we also see challenges with really a lot of like school leadership change. We have seen a change of principal, assistant principal, the dean, or even like personnel will usually work with social workers, school nurse. Um, we also see this lack of staff, um, also not only at the school ground, but also on our service provider side for after school programming. Um, our, our after school programming definitely have a hard time to hire staff because we can't really provide a high living wages. So I think a lot of this is all come together and make it very challenging for young people, lack of outlet, and also young people don't just like talk about things and then start a fight or anything. They communicate through strangers, through people to other school that people they don't know through social media, through TikTok, through like uh, whatever channel that they have that we don't have really our radar on. And I think for us is how, how can we actually get to also at that level to really put some precautions or like preventive measures together, including city, school level, and also community level all together to haggle these issues. I want to zero in on the incidents at Stonestown Mall. It got a lot of attention because there were so many videos recorded by bystanders on social media, like you mentioned. And the scale of the events are also really striking. An estimated 50 kids for that first incident and then 100 kids for the second one. When you first learned of those incidents, what were the first questions that came to your mind as someone who has worked directly with youth violence? I think it, it is scary because if we actually can know where the incident is coming from, like for, for example, like certain school, certain neighborhood or certain groups, we're able to go out there to reach out, to figure out with these young people what's going on, try to really de-escalate, right? When you actually get into like the internet social media level, you don't know who you will reach out to. Even I will feel like I don't know how to start and where to really tackle the issues, right? Even till now, we can't really identify which school. And I think the suspicious is actually multiple school, not just like public school or not just like San Francisco school, but really teenagers from all over the places that come together. And I think that's all even more scary is actually there's a call to traumatize or to bully somebody that they totally don't know. And I think it's also put out a lot of fear because we don't know who will be the target, who will be there and how can we do the preventive measure. I think it's very important for us to think about how to work with our young people, educate our young people that when they receive that kind of calling from social media or from text, how should they analyze, how should they think about it, how should think about whether they should be there, and how should they also talk among the peers. Um, I think the other thing is also it's also scary to see how many young people actually videotape the event and also like the event and also to share the event to really like to really publicize this, which is actually a very traumatized violence incident. I think that actually haunt me more. Nobody really actually helped the victim or to stop the event that how can we actually change the values and change um, the mentality of young people, they actually could do something to prevent it from happening. Mm -hmm. and, and the fact that it happened at a mall, Stonestown is a big after-school gathering spot. What does that say about how we should be managing idle time for kids? I, I think it could be happening at a mall. It could be happening at a park. It could be happening at any public space that's easy, accessible for people. They all come together. 
is is very important. I think also as a parent, as educator, we really hope that the youth will really engage in either school or after school program activities, so that they will have a structured activities. They will build a, a relationship with a caring adult. I know we're still in transition, as I mentioned, because school really get out a different time. I think that really hurts um, the interaction with the youth and also to keep them engaged. Um, I think we really have to look back to how we can actually work closer with the school district with the after school program that we can provide to the young people on site so that we can really reach out to them and engage the youth. I think Supervisor Melgar has mentioned that the parents need to also step up to learn about all the social media so they will be at the same level of the game with the young people. I think it's also important that um, we also talk amongst schools, like when all the school, they all take a get off or uh, get out from school at the same time that create a lot of like congestions on the bus a lot of like opportunity that that you can get into like as any kind of conflict i think it would be great if that we can all talk together where is really the peak hours we also worry about the fear that will will all the uh, students from the school even though they're not involved in the event they still are impacted individuals how we want to start actually doing more workshop talking about bystander intervention the escalate of the situation to the young people so that when they like face situation like that, they will know how to safely leave the space and not to escalate into like any physical injuries or any higher level of uh, impact. More with Community Youth Center's Sarah Wan after the break. We'll talk about the city's response plan to prevent youth conflicts and if you're a bystander, how you can help de-escalate a situation before it turns violent. We'll be right back. Did you know the number one way people discover new podcasts is word of mouth from their friends? So if you enjoy Fifth Emission, we'd love it if you tell someone about our show, even if it's just one person. Thanks for helping us make new friends. Sarah Wan, before the break, we talked about the fights that broke out at Stonestown Mall. There have been other recent incidents of violence a stabbing at a middle school, and a gun confiscated at another. I was really struck by the ages of the people involved. Is there something happening with middle schoolers in particular? You know, it is a very good question. After the pandemic, in terms of like behavioral management issue, I definitely see a surge at the middle school level. They've been stuck at home for almost like a year or two years, like year and a half. And then when they come out, they, they, there's no like really smooth transition from elementary school to middle school, or they're missing the important part during their development at that age group to interact with their peers and also to develop a trusting relationship with adult ally. I think a lot of them don't know how to deal with the emotion and they just let it out like physically or not in an appropriate way. They're not mature enough to really think about how to de-escalate situation and also how to really deal with conflict and tension. So I think a lot more work has to be done at the middle school level. And then for high school, I'm, I can't say there's no violence. There are still violence issues. There are gun violence issues at the high school level, but it's more like individual impact and also uh, individual school situation. I can't say it's much better, but I definitely see a surge in the middle school level. I want to talk about the city's response. Along with district leaders, San Francisco outlined their action plan to tackle youth violence. And the proposal leans on existing programs and partnerships. In other words, it doesn't really seem like there are new strategies in play, more of an expansion. From your perspective, is that 
the right approach? I think what really happened is all these existing services, including for our uh, our services, we struggle with hiring like staff to be at capacity, same as city department. So I think that's the challenge we have. Even we have an existing program, we constantly have turnover and changing of staff and also have, have a hard time to recruit new staff. Capacity is one issue. I understand all those services are already there. And when we talk about expansion, it will still take time to hiring staff, to train, to get it ready, right? But in the meantime, how to put some immediate short-term and also longer action plan together at different school based on their need. And it's hard to have one rubber stamp, like for the whole school district. We should actually look into individual school about the need, the student composition. I think it's very important to have a good coordination strategy among different players together and also meet on a regular basis, um, not just for one incident, but really an action plan for every single school. So in that action plan, there is a reliance on increased policing. Important to note, Mayor Breed's ask for SFPD overtime was approved by the Board of Supervisors recently, $25 million to be exact. Based on your experience on what's been successful, what's the right way to engage SFPD when it comes to youth violence? Right now, there's no like police officer actually stationed at a school site, right? Uh, there's no school resource officers anymore. However, school does hire school security on site. I think it's also very important that we clearly delineate when we call the school security, their role, their responsibility, and also when they should also call back up from the police help. So that whether it's like parent or community people or student know when that they will be on site. That has been pros and cons to have police officer on site, but there are situations I think that we need to be very clear with the role the school security play and also when they will call the police to be on site. I think that's something we have to look deeper into it. The police department also short staffing, even not only talk about school, but in general. So I know that has been really a challenge over that side. Now, I, I think it's important that that we identify actually where the hot spots and also where that we know the incident will likely occur. And then we can put more resources in there, whether it's like the bus, like SFMTA ambassador, or whether it's police officer, or even when they should actually contact with the police department. What are successful ways that CYC in the past has addressed the root causes of violence? I know we've talked about this in the past. We've talked about solidarity efforts between different cultural communities and things like that. But what are key things that maybe we're not talking about when we think about the roots of violence? I think my message never changed. We need this to be a long-term investment. It can't be a band-aid when something happened, then we figure out what's the strategy and wait till it get quiet down and then we take the resources away. We really need a long-term investment to continue this kind of multi-agency, whether it's like community level and also interdepartmental like coordination along the way. Sarah, what's your advice to just everyday citizens who witness this kind of violence? Nowadays, it feels like our instincts are maybe to take out our phones and document them, but there must be more that we can do as just average people on the streets than just be witnesses to it, right? Well, I, I think also your personal safety is also very key. You can't just intervene when your own personal safety is at stake, right? But there are situations when you start seeing people like start like having words back and forth, and that could be like escalation. You might be able to call, hey, hey, let's let's cool it down, let's talk about it uh, later, or somehow to de-escalate the situation when it not get into like physical alteration, right? Also, don't be, take part into it. I, I think we can do a lot to really deter the situation 
situation from escalating into like a fight. Of course, you pull out a phone, it's good to share what's going on, but it's also important, even simple as like maybe raise a voice before it happened. Also let the bus driver know if you're on the bus to stop the bus. So at least stop the incident from escalating. Uh, we do a lot of like personal safety class or like the escalation class, which we will actually also bring to some high school that we outreach to, to talk to the young people to discuss about that. But there are many strategies to do rather than just take out the phone. It's better to prevent it from it escalate to a situation that you cannot control and you worry about your own safety. Good advice and great insights as always, Sarah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Cecilia. Sarah Wan is the executive director at the Community Youth Center in San Francisco. CYC provides case management, support groups, and activities for diverse youth in the city. Thank you to Francesca Fenzi for editing this episode and to you for listening. <laughs>